This is Ashley Kelsch, and you are listening to Inner Momologue, episode number one. Let's fucking go. You are listening to Inner Momologue, a podcast for women who want to learn how to rethink being single, dating, making money, parenting, and sex, all the things, in a world that tells you you're doing it wrong. I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. In other words, it's not you. It's a deeply conditioned brain. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to my new podcast. I'm so excited to be launching this inner monologue. Um, Some of you who are listening obviously know that I've had a couple of podcasts in the past. Uh, There was Modern Renegades, which was all about your brain on dating and what coaching tools and concepts you could use to move through it all. And then I have House of Other, examining society's understanding of today's issues by exploring everything they've never taught us about our bodies, rights, and pleasure. Both of those topics, I guess, or areas are together now on this one podcast. It's like two, it's like they had a baby and I just love it because basically it's like all the things of my brain in one. Now that might sound overwhelming for some, but here we are and it's just going to be that it's going to be all of it it's going to be all of the dating it's going to be all the parenting it's going to be all the money making it's going to be what the fuck is going on out there and why are we this way yeah let me like explain though in detail so when my clients come to me they are trying to understand why they lose their minds over men why they struggle to make money and they don't know how to provide for themselves why they feel burned out and overwhelmed from parenting and working And then they are like constantly in a state of judging themselves for it, like hard. What's wrong with me? Why can't I figure this out? They tend to feel scared. Can I actually do this? Can I be independent on my own and raise my kids by myself or co-parent? Is this ever going to get easy? How will I be able to do it all? They want coaching plus the tools to learn how to stop thinking and feeling this way. But what I have learned over these years through my own personal experiences and through my practice is that in order for us to actually be able to um, evolve, we first have to understand and learn why we think this way. Understand and know that it's not a coincidence, especially for women, that it's not personal, it's the patriarchy. Now, this is a word I know we often feel is like kind of overused, but it is very real, my friends. Like to know the system in which we've been raised, the lessons that we've been taught as as women about raising kids and having kids and relationships and sex are all rooted in it. In mother words, this is actually really good news, like really good news, because once you know there's nothing wrong with you, it's not you it's the patriarchy and the system. You can start working on your belief systems and then start making for the change. First, we have to know why we are this way, right? And then we can make the change. And you can have the agency to decide what you want to believe and how you want to operate in the world. The choice is yours. In 2016, going into 2017, I started to look at my life and really examine everything that was going on within and around. I had two teenagers. I was a single mom. I had our lingerie shop, five employees. Um, 
I was about to open a second shop, broke up with my partner, and was riddled with anxiety. My shop wasn't making money, and I knew it was not only a dead end for me, but it was something I no longer had the drive and passion for, and I couldn't afford to do it. I had enough money each month to pay my employees, but very little left for myself, and I was constantly wondering how I was going to make ends meet for my kids and I. I was over it. I started to consider my future. My kids would be graduating and out of the house in a couple of years. I'd be on my own. What did I want the next phase of my life to look like? Did I want to keep trying to figure out Teddy's Fur Betties? Was I going to stay in Austin? Did I want to find a relationship and have more kids? Like These were questions, most of them, completely unanswerable, with the exception of one. I knew for sure I wanted to close Teddy's Fur Betties. So I began to think about what I would want to do, what I was good at, what kind of life I wanted to have. A year later, I came to the conclusion that I wanted to be a life coach. In 2017, I enrolled in a certification program and I spent the following couple of years studying and learning. At the end of 2018, I announced I was closing my store. In 2019, I had a few clients. I launched a podcast from home and I fell into like the darkest depression. I didn't even really realize. Some of my friends were like, are you okay? It was very unexpected because I made the choice to close Teddy's for Betty's and I thought it was the best decision that I was making and I was excited to become a life coach and pursue a new path in life. But I did not realize how much of my identity and my time and my thoughts were consumed by Teddy's for Betty's. And like things like not receiving those end of day emails or having that place to go to and the customers to talk to, I really felt lost. But I had been taking all of these courses to be a life coach and though I was learning tools and concepts to help other people navigate their lives, obviously the, the same tools were working on me. I started to understand and what it meant to have awareness, which is the single greatest practice any of us can have. And I learned this amazing tool called the thought model from a life coach instructor named Brooke Castillo. She is the, um, the owner of the life coach school. It's one of the programs I went through and she, she learned this concept of awareness and, um, and the model, some of the, some of the pieces of it from another teacher named Byron Katie and Byron Katie is like the goat. If you haven't ever listened to her work, you absolutely must. It's basically, you know, that our thoughts create our feelings, which ultimately create our results in life. So Brooke Castillo organized this process that anyone can use to assist in seeing what it is that they're thinking and how they want to be thinking. It's clean. It's effective. It can be done on anything at any time. The thought model has changed my life. It's a single most effective tool to show me or you, your unintentional thinking and assist in processing, and it can be used to create intentional thinking. By using the thought model, you'll be able to see on a micro level what's going on in your mind, and it can have a macro effect. It's the one tool and practice that I insist my clients understand and use before we conclude our work together. I teach a lot of concepts, but if the only thing they ever learn and use, if it's the thought model, I'm like, my work is done. The model reveals your problems, but it does not solve for them. That's something you have to be very aware of. Like, it's not as if you see what you're thinking, then life is suddenly great. It's actually kind of disturbing when you actually see what you're thinking. You're like, wait, what? This is not looking good. Um, so at first, 
you kind of don't, I don't know. I spent some time being like, I don't want to see my thoughts anymore. But when you use this model and you start to reveal these thinking thoughts, the feelings and all the doings and not doings and the results that you're creating or not creating in your life, the reality that you're living in, you get that awareness, which is the best news because then you can decide from this unintentional way of being how you want to be intentionally. So let me tell you a little bit about it. (coughs) Excuse me. There are circumstances in life, right? There's people, weather, past events, world events, all happening. These circumstances are the things that we call the facts of life. The whole world would agree that this has happened. Circumstances can be proven in the court of law. It's all the stuff that's outside of our control. These events do not have any meaning until you have a thought about them. Now, here's where things get interesting and very liberating once it resonates. The circumstances of your life are not what's making you feel anything. The circumstances are not the cause of your problems. It's not the divorce. It's not the economy. It's not your kids. It's the thoughts that are causing the problems. The thoughts about the circumstances that are causing the feelings that you find to be problematic, but not the circumstances. When I talk or talked about closing Chetty's for Betty's in those first few years and how lost and depressed I was, I'm able to list all that went on and what was happening. And it would lead the listener to believe that if you close a store, you might feel lost and depressed. I talked about it like they were facts. When I examined my story, really, if I put it on paper, there are only two or three facts or circumstances. I closed a store, I was no longer receiving emails from employees, and I didn't see customers in that particular place. The rest of what I talked about were thoughts. My story and perception of those circumstances. Thoughts like, I failed. I could have done things differently. I have nothing in my day to look forward to. So sad. Thoughts are tiny sentences in your brain. They are your opinions about what is happening and they are subjective. They're optional. They're not factual. Thoughts are your opinions about circumstances. Again, our problems are usually thinking problems and can be solved on the mind's level. So think about this. Other people have closed their stores and have felt relieved, not lost. My thoughts weren't the only thoughts available. I could have had thoughts like, oh my God, I am so glad I don't have that responsibility anymore. I don't have to check in with employees. I'm free to travel, which currently are a lot of my thoughts. But the circumstance still hasn't changed. I closed a store. I don't get those end of day emails. I don't have those employees. And now it's nothing but like, thank God. The only thing that changed is my thoughts. The root cause of any problem is always our thinking. My thinking changed and so did my feelings. The model allows for us to separate our thoughts from the facts and to recognize we don't feel one way or another because of the circumstance, but instead we feel the way we do because of our thinking. Now these thoughts fuel our feelings. What's a feeling? Well, a feeling is a vibration that goes through our body. When we think a thought, it's a chemical release from your brain creating emotion, energy in motion. Everything we do or don't do, the actions we take, our behaviors, what have you, is to feel or not feel a certain way. 
especially if that feeling is one of discomfort or a negative one, we will avoid or resist feeling bad at all costs. This is part of the human design. It's actually called the motivational triad. Seek pleasure, avoid discomfort, and be efficient. This is literally how humans have gotten as far as they have. We will talk about this later in the podcast. So our feelings drive our actions. Our actions are everything we do or don't do, and this creates our reality, the results in our life. And one thing to note, your results in life are always evidence to your thinking. You can just look at your life to know what you were thinking, like what's going on in your life. It's pretty clear. The thought model consists of five lines, the circumstance line, thought line, feeling line, action line, result line, C-T-F-A-R. When you take time or you take the time to use the model and you put your thoughts on paper, you become the watcher of your experience rather than being in it. There's an actual shift that happens in the brain. You move from primitive to the prefrontal cortex, from reaction to deliberate planning. It gives you awareness and reveals how you are operating. This is where agency and choice are. If you don't like how you're feeling, you can work on your thinking. It's up to you. Now, one thing I notice I've done, my clients do, sometimes you kind of like use the model against yourself. When people find out like, oh, all I have to do is change my thinking and I can feel better, then they want to just do this thing that I would call model swapping. And they also, you know, judge themselves for having negative thoughts or feeling bad. This is not the point, nor is it useful. I think it's good for people to remember that human design, our brains are wired to be thinking on the negative and to judge and look for danger, literally scanning every six seconds. This is an effort to stay alive. What you want to do is just see where you are. Use the model, see where you are, and then honor that. Just be there. You know, for, like, think about it. If your cat were to get run over, you would be sad. You wouldn't try to tell yourself, like, it's fine. It's okay. You're probably going to be thinking thoughts about, like, how much you loved your kitty. And you're going to miss all that snuggle. You might have thoughts about the driver causing you to feel angry. Like, that would be warranted for the circumstance. You would want to process those thoughts and feelings. Then there are moments when you say you're in traffic and you're driving and you think people are driving like kind of crazy and you're mad. You're thinking thoughts like they should be more safe. They shouldn't speed. Why aren't they using their indicator? This motherfucker just cut me off. You know, thoughts like that. Well, those are something you might want to consider like not thinking those thoughts because they're just sort of wreaking havoc on your body. They are optional. It may not seem like it because you might be so used to thinking that way in traffic or about traffic that it feels like facts. What it really feels like is just terrible. Like when I'm in traffic, you have to know, like, I'm a slow driver. <laughs> I shouldn't. Sometimes, like, I'm in the left lane and people are mad. I should always be in the right lane, but I'm kind of just like, la-da-da. And that's something, yeah, I'm the person that everyone's mad at, which is probably why I have thoughts. Like, when I see people in a hurry or maybe flipping me off or something, I'm like, oh, my God. I bet they're on their way to the hospital. There must be an emergency. I really hope everyone's okay. Maybe there's a baby being born in that car right now. That's so exciting. I wish that was my birthing story. So that's what I think. And um, admitting that here and now is kind of like, kind of funny, right? Uh, but it certainly gives my body and my experience in real time a very different one than if I'm like angry at everyone. And this is what I mean by optional. There are so many thoughts that you could consider and have when in those moments that would make us feel good. And then that's when we should choose those. Byron Katie actually says, your illusion of this world is delusional. 
So why not pick the delusion that feels best? Right? Again, going back to, if you can't die, you're going to be sad. Don't be upset about that. Don't judge it. Just be sad. In order for us to be able to work on these thoughts, it requires that we know what we're thinking. Again, this is why the model is so important. What we have going on in our minds, there's like tens of thousands of thoughts each day that we're not even aware of. And all of these thoughts are fueling our emotions and driving our actions. If we're not aware of them, then we're at the mercy of them. I read that 40 to 60,000 thoughts of those that we have each day were conscious to like maybe 6,000. And of those 6,000, only 1,000 of them are new and original thoughts. In other words, we are repeating the same thought and behavioral patterns, emotional ones as well, every day. Like you're just recreating the same results with different circumstances. When you take command of your brain and you see what you're thinking, you move from primitive brain to your modern brain, the prefrontal cortex. And from here, you get to start telling your brain how to think. You get to decide what kind of life you want. But this requires that we interrogate the fuck out of that brain. So the thought model is what gives you the perfect structure to do that, to like start breaking up these cycles of thinking and feeling and behaving so that you have agency over your experience. You will no longer need to focus your attention and energy on trying to change circumstances and people and all the things and can instead just focus on changing how you interpret them. This, you, are the only thing you can control. Not the weather, not your kids, your partner, not your boss, not the economy. You can choose how you want to think about those things. You're no longer on autopilot or at the mercy of what's happening around you. So how has incorporating the thought model into a daily practice changed my life? Simply put, it gives me an opportunity to see myself in any given situation and then decide if that's how I want to be. Like I've gotten really big at observing my reaction and then choosing my response. As a parent, what I'm, so let me just tell you that for a second. When I say observing my reaction, choosing my response, I literally will be engaging with someone and I kind of have like, it feels almost like an outer body experience. I'm not in it. I'm watching I'm watching myself and I can see the emotions going through. And then depending on that experience or that moment, I try to choose the response that I would want. This is, can be very difficult when you're in heated situations, but with some practice, you can get there. Like as a parent, I went from trying to get my kids to perform and do well so I wouldn't look like a bad parent and start asking myself what their choices and results actually had to do with me. Why was I making their outcomes mean one thing or the other about me? Why was I a bad parent if they did say, a, and a good parent if they did B. I started letting my kids be themselves, make their choices, and of course have consequences and boundaries when appropriate, but started letting go of the narrative that it had anything to do with me. This took time, and time takes time. I've talked about this in the past. My son used to lie just about just the stupidest shit. We'd lie about turning in homework, and you know they got to a point where this was gonna affect if he graduated or not. And there were many people involved. And I was so emotionally reactive before I had the model and this practice. I would cry and I would yell and I would basically unleash the mother load. And it never stopped him from lying, ever. No matter what I tried to say and do to him or how upset I got. Eventually, I started observing my emotions that would come up when I would catch him in a lie. And I would see the thoughts that I was thinking and that I was having. And it was like, no wonder I was crying and yelling. My thoughts were like, oh my God, I'm raising a sociopath. And how is he ever going to make it through the world? And this belief that I'd been taught growing up, a man is only as good as his word, that I was raising a monster. 
And if I yell and I freak out, maybe I can make him stop and he'll be good and then I'll be good. I hit the pause button and I started to interrogate those beliefs. Pretty soon, he would lie and I would tell him the consequence. I became emotionally unaffected. I had to keep working my thoughts and feelings through the model, but eventually it stopped. I stopped trying to control him and I learned how to control myself, my thoughts, my emotions around that experience, making it mean so many things that weren't true. They were not facts. And this just made it so much easier in my mind and body. I would not allow myself to believe he wasn't going to be a good man or that I was a bad mom. And then I started looking for evidence like who, who else has lied about turning in their homework and still ended up being a good person and having a fine life. I didn't have to look far. I was one of those people. The model revealed all of that to me and so much more. So I parent differently. I date way differently. I'm in partnerships and when I'm in relationship, it's a very different experience. My relationship with money and myself completely changed always and changing even more. I've been able to see what I was taught growing up about money beliefs and self-love beliefs and relationship ones, the ones that I've been carrying that have held me back, that I've used to sabotage or have limited me. And I just slowly work on them. And again, becoming a new person by that process. My brain has started to think in new ways. Of course, the old way of being is still, it's present and can often present itself, but I'm more apt to respond to it faster and make for repairs, unlike in the past. Um, Let's see, it's also taught me how to create new thoughts to think, which is a super fun practice. Like who knew you could think like luxurious, amazing, loving thoughts all day. I like to tell my clients, I'm like, imagine there's a part of the department store, like I love to shop, so this is easy for me. There's a part of the store that I'm like, I don't think I can afford to go over there. Like, you know, there's some designer brands that are just a little out of my reach and I'm like, I don't even want to do it. I'm like, well, what does it hurt to try it on? I'm just going to go try it on. And I put it on. I'm like, this feels amazing. Like, I love this outfit. Like, this feels like me. Same with thoughts. Sometimes I put the outfit on. I'm like, oh, I'm just not there. Like, I'm not ready for this. I can't Mm-mm, put it back. Not going to do that. Again, same with some thoughts. But it, you just keep trying them on. And I love it. I love it. When you work with the model... Okay, so this is the part where I need you to pay attention. When you work with the model, you start by filling in one of five spots on a piece of paper. You just write down on one line, circumstance, below that put thought, below that feeling, below that action, below that result. Ask yourself, what am I thinking? Then you put down on that thought line, the thought you're thinking, or how am I feeling? Put that on the F line. What is it I'm doing or not doing? Put it on the action line. From there, you work through the model. If it's the feeling, that you're having, examine it. Examine the thoughts that you're thinking that are causing that feeling. When you put down the circumstances, make sure you remember it's a fact, it's not a thought. You can put things down like say, my husband said the words and then put down the words he said, not my husband made me mad. Mad would be the feeling. What are your thoughts about the words he said? What did you do? What did you not do when he said that? Put that in the action line. What ended up happening when you did or didn't do all those things? That goes in the result line. You know, I have a really good example actually from my client that was going through a breakup. The circumstance was her boyfriend said the words, I want to break up with you. 
it's not you, it's me, which everybody would agree. He said that he would agree. She's agreed. And I said, well, what did you think when he said that? She said that he's leaving me because I'm not good enough for him. And I was like, well, how does that make you feel when you think that thought? She said she felt abandoned. So you tell me when you feel abandoned, what do you do? She said, I closed up. I didn't leave my room. I stayed home. I barely ate. I was working out a lot. I was running. There's a lot of negative self-talk. I just kept replaying everything. My mind is constant spinning and rumination. I was trying to solve for it. I deleted my social media. I looked at friends' social media who knew us. I'd go back to the places where we used to hang out and then shame myself for doing that. Okay, so what result would you say you're creating when you're thinking that thought? He left me because I'm not good enough. She said, I left me. I didn't, I didn't take care of myself. And I sought out proof that I wasn't good enough for him by looking at his Instagram and going to the restaurants without him. And I just kept saying it over and over, like, I'm not good enough. Working this model, we can zoom out and become the watcher of our experience rather than being in it. And this is showing us the root cause of the problem. It's not the words he said. It's what she's making those words mean. She's not good enough which is an optional thought. We wanna start breaking down your thoughts about the circumstances and what you're making it mean when someone says or does something and ask yourself, what else could it mean? Imagine what else could you think? Could the opposite of what you're thinking be true? Could, could his words, it's not you, it's me, be actually about him and have nothing to do with you? Or what if it is me? Does that have to mean I'm not good enough? Why am I choosing to think he's leaving because I'm not good enough? What does, that, what does that even mean to not be good enough? What if not good enough was not in my vocabulary? This is the process, my friends. This allows you to gain different perspectives. It, it assists in separating the story, the thoughts, the narrative from the circumstances and the facts. I asked my client why she didn't believe when he said, it's not you, it's me. Why she was making it means she's not good enough. He literally said, it's not you, it's me, which implies it has nothing to do with you. How is your self-worth defined by his actions? She didn't really know what to say. I said, when you believe his words mean you're not good enough and feel abandoned, you're causing yourself so much suffering. Like, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. There's clean pain and there's dirty pain. Clean pain is, my boyfriend broke up with me, this sucks. This is sad, I'm disappointed. Dirty pain is, my boyfriend broke up with me, I suck, he abandoned me, I'm not good enough. That's dirty. That's the untamed brain. We take the people, places, and things going on in the world and make them mean whatever we need to to fit our narrative and align with how we see the world and ourselves in it. We take the words and the actions from the world around us, the circumstances, and translate them to feed our stories about ourselves based on, usually, our limited belief systems. It was clear in that moment my client wasn't ready to believe anything positive about the breakup, and there's no need to rush, like I said, honor where you are, but knowing these thoughts are not facts and informing your brain of that is essential. You can create new thoughts like, I feel abandoned when I think the thought, key, when I think the thought, he left me because I'm not good enough. Not because he left me. Separate the C from the F. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Each morning when you get up, just say, well, before you say anything, I recommend you get a cup of coffee, you find a little cozy spot, your favorite pen and journal. Then you ask yourself, what am I thinking? 
and you make a bullet point list of all those thoughts, all that negative, and throw in some positive. If you don't have any negative, just trust me, it's a matter of time. You will, because your brain is designed to think this way. Just tell the truth. Things like, this heat is so annoying. I should have made lunch for my kids. Why are all the moms wearing the same shoes? I wish I didn't have to work out, etc., etc., etc. Then ask yourself, what does this thought make me feel? Could I believe the opposite? Do I want to think about this? If not, don't put that shit back in your brain. Delete it. Put a line through it. If you can't let it go, if you can't delete the thought, tell yourself, one day I'll be a person who doesn't care what other shoes moms are wearing. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe not. Who knows? And just remember, they're just thoughts. They're not facts. They don't have to mean anything about you. You get to choose what you want to think. The option is yours. Okay? So that's all I have for you right now on this episode one. I think it's plenty. And next week, I'll have more for you. All right. Until then, take care. If you enjoyed today's show and don't want to miss another episode, you can subscribe to my newsletter, In Mother Words, on Substack. You will also receive a weekly written column from me. You can find the link in your show notes. Or you can follow me on any of your favorite listening platforms like Apple or Spotify. And if you haven't already, leave your feedback. I would love to know what you're thinking so that I can improve for you. Leave me a message, put up a review, and feel free to spread the mother-loving word.